It's time for your local weekly analysis, Slow County Public Policy and the Law, with your host, Stu Jenkins. The Union Forever, boys down with the traitor, up with the star, while we rally around the flag, boys, rally once again, shouting the battle cry of Welcome to Slow County Public Policy and the Law, only on KNews FM 98.5. This is your host, Stu Jenkins. As a lawyer, I help folks protect their families and real estate in their estate plans. Since 1978, I have tried several thousand Slow County court cases. It has been an honor to represent both Republican candidates and the Democratic Party in proceedings. I also represent farming, industrial, and commercial landowners, and I have repeatedly served the Superior Court as Special Master. Last week, I spoke with State Senator Brian Dolly about a bill he has authored that makes practical changes that improve law enforcement ability to prosecute criminals, particularly in small towns and counties. That's SB 8. And our Assembly members, Don Addis and Greg Hart, need to hear from you about supporting SB 804. Then we heard from Mary Sansoni and Thomas Anderson of First Capital Bank tell us about the difference community banking makes in this county. If you missed those interviews, you can log on to knews985.com. That's K-N-E-W-S 985.com for the podcasts. And if you don't see the program you want, there is a link down the page to all the Slow County Public Policy and the Law interviews from the beginning of the show. And if you scroll a little farther down, you can help build integrity in local government by clicking on the link that lets you apply to serve on the San Luis Obispo County Grand Jury. Apply before April 12th. On Slow County Public Policy and the Law, Office holders, candidates, lawyers, journalists, and activists inform you about policies shaping your lives. That focus brings folks with differing points of view without being attacked to tell you about how they think your community can be improved, even if I or station management disagree with a guest's ideas. Well, today, in the wake of City Manager Derek Johnson blowing off the listeners of Slow County Public Policy and the Law... He was supposed to be here today. I'm pleased to introduce John Drake, who has filed papers to run for San Luis Obispo City Council. Thank you for having me on. Well, I'm glad to have you on, John. Now, um, we're going to get to a little bit of information here. Our listeners know that just this Tuesday, they're going to be voting for Congress, U.S. Senate, and even County Supervisor. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but cities hold mayor and council elections just seven months away. I know. It's coming up. November 5th. <laughs> so it's time for folks to start thinking about city council. And later today, uh, right before the March 5th election, Susan Funk joins me to tell us why she says you should make her county supervisor. Now, I want to pause briefly to say that we heard earlier in another show from candidate for Slow City Council, Taylor Taff. 
and I have invited the other candidates to come talk to listeners about their character and vision. But, as you could hear, City Council candidate John Drake is in the house, so let's hear from him. Welcome to the show, John. Thank you so much. John, before we we start talking about issues and goals, uh, let's find out about you. Where were you born? Uh, I was actually born abroad in Riga, Latvia, and I was adopted by my American parents. And uh, so I guess until I was the age of three, I was living in Europe, and then I moved to Ventura, California, where I've spent wow. a vast majority of my life. Well, <laughs> well, welcome. Thank uh, you. Belatedly, and I guess <laughs> I guess the key thing we all know now is you can never be president. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> now, how old are you? John? I am twenty three years old. I just turned twenty three on Halloween. And and how did you get to San Luis Obispo? I actually, you know, it was a long process because I never thought I would end up going to Cal Poly, uh-huh. but I was like struggling to decide which college I was going to go to. Um, there was just so many different options, and it was. The clock was running down, and my mom was like, you know, I went to Cal Poly, um, and I, I really enjoyed it. I think you would, too. So I bit the bullet, and I went to Cal Poly, and... What did you major in? Government policy... Uh, sorry, pol- political science, but I concentrated in government policy and public okay. administration okay. through an ICS degree. So you, you've had you've had uh, Alan Settle. Probably. Yes, yes. Of course. Yes, yes, I have. <laughs> And and uh, actually, I really did enjoy. His I think class. Alan holds the record for the longest tenure at Cal Poly at this Does? point. Does really? Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, there have been so many great professors. And then after college, I I had already known I wanted to stay on the Central Coast because you know I'd grown up. I've basically spent my entire life on the Central Coast, but I knew because all my family ended up moving out of the state, and I didn't want to leave California, okay. so I set, settled here. So uh, have you graduated? I have graduated, yes. And and are you working now? I am. I am working for the San Luis Obispo County Behavioral Health Department as a project manager. Okay. Yes. Okay. And what does a project manager for behavioral health do? Yeah, okay. So you got program managers, which like, you know, you got like the MHDC, AT, ATCC services, um, MISP, and all those sorts of programs. And a project manager usually addresses or manages a program within a specific um, program. So I, I, I manage um, a Cal Poly Research Grant within Justice Services that um, really uh, tries to work with... Um, MHDC services, which is behavioral mental health services, okay, um, to see how um, to see how clients or patients uh, react to alternative healing um, measures, because we have seen over the years that you know traditional medicine doesn't always work, and we want to see how we can better um, reduce recidivism rates um, and improve mental health. Um, in a new, in a new. So when you way. say recidivism rates, yeah. it sounds like most of these folks have gone through the criminal justice yes. system to get into the mental health exactly um, services. I believe we deal with either those who have been directly in the prison system or have been victims of crime and suffer um, from like PTSD, and so they, and so we bring them onto the um, program and the platform to um, see how they react and see if they're. Um, issues improve along the way okay well john are you married i am not okay and uh (laughs) your your parents all moved out of state yes uh uh about two years ago uh my dad uh he got like he was already um pretty sick we Mm. think he he had covid 
um, he had the long COVID, um, and then um, Alzheimer's kicked in, and it killed him off, killed him off within two years. Uh-huh. And so my parents moved out to Oklahoma to uh, have my family out there help take care of him because it was sure. so, it was okay. really difficult. Yeah. And then he ended up passing the week of my graduation. Uh-huh. Um, he had stayed a night at the uh, airport, and uh, he ended up because he wanted to get there early. I I don't know what it is about dads; they always want to get to the airport. Way early, of course, <laughs> and um, so he went to the airport. You'll find out. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to be there in the morning, like right next to it, even though we were like forty-five minutes away from it. And he had a heart attack and died because mm. he had forgotten to take his medicine. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into some other areas. I suspect that since you majored in political science and minored in government services, mm-hmm. that uh, that's Public service was always something you wanted to be involved yes. in. Uh, lawyers always ask a question they know the answer to. Have you ever run for office before? Yes, I have. <laughs> I, I have run multiple times. <laughs> okay. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah. Um, there's there's no shame in that, by the no, way. No, no. I, I, I think it's one of my strengths, to be honest, because I've met so many great people um, throughout those journeys. Um, I had... The first office I ran for, um, it was the recall election, and I ran for it not because I, I wanted to replace. You mean you ran for governor? I ran for governor while you were a yeah. poly student. Yeah, and I, and it wasn't because I wanted to replace the governor. I, I'm actually a huge proponent of a lot of his policies, but it was that I fi- I saw that like there were a bunch of random people who have never heard of running with some more insane ideas uh, than I could have imagined. There was a poll dancer that ran to. Improve her uh, Angeline marketing. Uh, yeah, well, you know there were several people. Oh, uh, I didn't know about the pole dancer. Anyway, I'm not, not going to use names. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, I was, uh, and 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 I figured, look, if the governor does get replaced, the only other like leading contender on the Democratic side uh, was someone who had some very outlandish ideas about like transporting water from like Texas when we have a great like water source like right to the north of us mm-hmm. like closer to our largest dam and so i was very much like look let's talk about like the practical policies as well it was like okay. housing was already an issue education accessibility towards education and the affordability of healthcare were just out of the question and so i really wanted to bring just awareness to those issues because i know everyone always talks about solving those issues but we haven't really gotten any steps. We haven't closer. solved them yet. So. Yeah, we haven't gotten steps. Now, have closer. you ever held office, John? I have never held office. Okay. No. Okay. Why the city of San Luis Obispo Council? Yeah. So, because I know I want to stay here, and um, I decided that very, like three years ago, I was like, I'm going to stay here anyway, um, because my mom always talked about like how great San Luis was. Um, I what really drove me was that I'm I was kind of just upset by how how inaccessible and unaffordable things are out here. Whether it's um and, and I know and I, and I ugh, sorry I know a lot of people talk about like oh like the downtown area for example is thriving and 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 all that because it's making more money and all that. Well, John, I I live downtown. Yeah, and uh, I can tell you when I walk around, there's more stores closed. I know I every know. every week. Um, exactly, and uh, few of them are being replaced. Uh, the few that are replaced are uh, 
bars and grills. And, I know. And even know, some of the, even the tiki bar class. They, they, yeah. And the only time it's jumping is at night when people are drunk. Yeah. And so and so um, my whole thing was was like when I arrived here three years ago um, in the first in the first case, it was like, yeah, I could see that there were problems, but they've just gotten worse over mm-hmm, the time. Mm-hmm. And from. Well, what issues are you focusing on? I'm focused. I guess um, the issues I'm focusing on is that. I'm focusing on revitalizing downtown. I'm focusing on really prioritizing the needs and voices of locals because I know like a lot of locals are upset that a lot of their concerns are not being taken into account and homelessness because homelessness is growing. And part of my experience um, while I was at Cal Poly and even after, I still work with unhoused people and I want to see that, you know, I don't think I can get it solved in my tenure, but I know I can definitely alleviate like a lot of the issues. Right. Well, let, let's talk about some of those mm-hmm. kind of point by point. Revitalizing the downtown. Um, how would you do that? What what would be different about what you would be pushing from what the uh, five uh, <laughs> women who are currently on the council yeah. are doing? A lot of it would be definitely, and you know, I think revitalization of, da- of the downtown really coincides with the priorities of the locals. And the locals keep saying, look, we can't shop downtown. We can't afford anything. Um, why can't we afford anything? Because prices in general are going up because rents in the downtown keep going up. And a lot of that has to do with um, these giant companies coming into the downtown as rental, um, as like rental um, agencies, and they're subleasing out to local businesses and what the, what it does for the city is that it gives the city you know consistent cash flow but well, if, how, how does it do that because uh, like i don't know the exact number but like they give a base pay like rent like rent this block for this amount of money um no matter what you know what you know what i mean it's like rent this block and then um they then the city gets the money and whether or not a business goes out of business as long as they are receiving the money um it's how, how do, uh, there, as far as I know, the only there's only one piece of property like that where the city actually owns it. Yeah, and that's at the corner of. Um, it, it's the it's Choro the, and Marsh Street, and yeah. it's it's underneath one of the parking structures. Uh, it, it also extends into Shoe Palace is there now. Yeah, Shoe Palace is there, but uh, but it also um is um Antonia's uh, Pizza. Uh, the owners also deal. Um, with, with with companies like that too, and the, it, and I think my main issue is is that as long as the city doesn't necessarily feel budget constraints because they're consistently receiving rents, whether or not storefronts close, then the issue is is that businesses are going to move out, and if enough businesses move out, those companies leave, and then what happens? Not only do we lose that cash flow, but we also then lose um, a vibrant downtown. Well, but John, if I it, yeah, I, I represent. Uh, commercial yeah. uh, landowners uh, help them with their leases. Yeah. And if they own a building uh, and the city doesn't own it, yeah. they get the lease, they get the tenant, they get the uh, rent. Yeah. None of it is shared with the city except you know through a business tax probably, which is pretty low. My question is yeah. how could for all uh, the vast majority of, of the uh, buildings downtown are privately owned yeah and and they may have a management company but if the management company is uh, essentially getting sub tenants mm-hmm. they're still paying rent to the owner 
Yeah, no. Not, not so much the city. Yeah, well, see, I think for me is I I don't want to see downtown continue to vacate. Mm-hmm. And so, and so like, a lot of that has to do with, I think, just restructuring the way in which... What about parking? Is, oh, parking is, that- is a huge thing. I mean, I, I mean, like, a lot of... Like, when I was... I was actually um, talking... Um, at Mechanics Bank with uh, some of the workers there. And we were just, you know, in conversation. Jonah mm-hmm. was there with me. Mm-hmm. He's my intern. He's, like, right behind me. Um, He's silently eating, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, were, we were sitting there, and um, one of the uh, desk managers, she was talking about, like, oh, yeah, I won't be going downtown. I'm not going to pay f- um, $12 for parking in, in the parking in the parking structure. And, and if you go downtown, even on the businesses, they um, there are signs on the doors literally saying parking rates are killing um, our, our business. business. Yeah, yeah, and so a lot of what I'm talking about is also like you know cutting um, downtown parking fees. Have a two dollar an hour fee um, straight across the board for the downtown structures because if I'm there for three hours and I'm paying twelve dollars, but if I'm working downtown and I'm there for six hours, um, that's uh, sorry, if I'm working downtown and I'm there for three for three or four hours, it's cheaper. But in general, I also think that employer and employee parking should be free because I don't know why downtown employees have to pay for parking if they're actively contributing to the downtown success. Well, many of them don't. They uh, they park up in past my well, neighborhood. I know. I know. They're parking in the neighborhoods. And <laughs> that's, and that's such are, an issue, too. I people mean, are walking all the way from the train station. Well, well see, and, the, and mm-hmm. then they're encroaching on the neighborhoods, and then those locals are upset oh, because yeah. then they have no street parking. I mean... I how, mean well, how would you solve it? How, I mean, yeah. you know, if, well, if, if, you're cutting the, uh, if you're cutting the parking rates from $4 an hour on the street to yeah. $2 an hour, which seems like a good thing to me, I think that would help business, yeah. but... Uh, the city staff is claiming that they're crying for money and they don't have enough money to build the next next parking structure or to solve homelessness or whatever it is they're doing with the money. Well, well where, are there alternatives for well, coming I, up with a cash? In general, um, and I don't believe employees and employees should be paying um, for parking downtown because as it is, mm-hmm. um, it's already expensive to live in slow and. Um, there was a point when I was working at Starbucks and I was literally only working to pay for parking. And it, it was like I was barely making anything. Yeah. And and mo- and I can't even really shop downtown. The prices are usually out of my price range anyway. So it's it, so for me, I think easing the burden on locals is more important about that. But I guess if we're going to address where more money comes from, that's a really good question, actually. Where more money comes from. Yeah. Well, there's one one thing that might be of interest to folks. Upper city management staff, not not the folks who are down on the street. They make a lot. Paving, you know, filling yeah. potholes and uh, making sure that the storm sewers don't get clogged up. Do you think that the upper city management is overpaid, underpaid? Yes. <laughs> Oh yes, okay. I think they're way overpaid. I mean, I I mean that that was the thing. I was looking. Well, I think I think some of our I think some of our departments are also overinflated yeah. in general. I know that instead of investing in drought and flood resistance infrastructure, what we were doing was that we just kept putting on more staff, um, and we retained it um, even after we made improvements. And then mm. we kept because we would rather hold on to them rather than let them go, and then keep investing. Well, there are some places where that's not true. Uh, this, 
the city police department is having trouble hiring officers. Yeah, I get that. Uh, fire department is having trouble hiring officers. Now, the city manager, uh, who didn't come on the <laughs> show today, uh, according to uh, the state's website... Uh, it's about 100000 uh, way over that. No, it's just shy of 300000 a year, compared to the governor, who's only making... $234,000 a year for managing a state with almost 40 million people in it. That's, uh, see, I, I knew, I knew like with benefits it was in the 200000 range. I didn't realize it was that high. $299,000 is wow. what the website shows. The city attorney is paid, uh, according to the state's website, $274,638 a year, whereas the state attorney general, who's the head lawyer yeah. for the state, Rob only Bonta. Rob, Rob Bonta, he, he'll do it for $203,000 <laughs> and does a good job. So if you were on the city council, oh, uh, instantly. What, what, what would you, uh, uh, I, how, how would you be trying to uh, change those well, figures? If there's forms to fill out on uh, lowering salaries, I'll be, I'd be filling them out real quick. For the most part, I, I, I would say San Luis Obispo is sort of following the path that Ventura started following about five, ten years ago, where they're, they're almost shooting themselves in the foot, where they're trying to act like they had the resources of a major metropolitan area like downtown LA rather than functioning as the small coastal tight-knit community that it actually is. And sometimes that means that certain public like public officers are not going to make as much money as they would if they were in LA or in San Diego or San Francisco, but that's perfectly fine because what we get here is that we get that smaller community, we get that more tight-knit community on where life is more at a leisurely pace. Mm-hmm. Well, now you said that uh, solving homelessness was one of your yes. key issues. Uh, you wanted to make some headway in that. Um, we're, we're all, we only have a little time before the news, oh, no. but we'll be coming <laughs> back afterwards. To this point, I, I mean, wouldn't you agree that most of the way the city has addressed homelessness is by rounding folks up and moving them to different places yeah, and, and until the, they become an irritant there and then they move them someplace else. Yeah, and then they come back anyway back downtown. And I and I think what what we do a lot is we treat the symptom but we don't actually do anything to prevent it. I know Haslow has done like amazing work trying to yeah. finally um, come up with permanent solutions with like the um, giant building downtown. Well, we're going to come back after the news and we're going to talk more about that in detail. Folks, this is Stu Jenkins at Slow County Public Policy and the Law, and we're talking with City Council candidate John Drake. He wants your vote in November to get on the San Luis Obispo City Council. Stay tuned after the news.